said, my name's Rebecca. Um, I'm part of the preaching team here. I've been a member of this church. I was just thinking this week about this. I've actually been coming to this church. I realized this week I realized half my life, which is 22 years I've been here. So um, before long, I'll have been here the majority of my life. Make of that what you will, but that's a good thing. Um, so that's me and uh, our passage this morning, the uh, passage I've been given to speak on this morning, we'll get right into it. It's from a letter in the New Testament in the Bible, um, a letter written by the Apostle Paul, and it's written to a church, um, it's called One Thessalonians, it's the first letter that Paul wrote to the Thessalonians that we have, and it's actually the first letter that Paul wrote that we have. Um, If you look in your Bible, it's not the first one you'll find, but it is chronologically the first one that we have, the first letter from the Apostle to a church that we have. So it's interesting for that reason. And uh, it seems to sort of set a pattern uh, for the way Paul writes letters. If you read through the letters of Paul in the New Testament, you'll find they they all follow a very similar pattern, probably a similar pattern to if you write letters, although most of you probably don't anymore. But I recently found some letters that I'd written to my dad when I was in my gap year. It's quite a long time ago, as you'll have gathered. I've already given away my age. Um, Uh, And when you write letters, they tend to follow a pattern. And Paul's letters tend to follow this pattern. He very often uh, gives a greeting. He says, from Paul, um, and in this case, from Paul and some friends. And who it's to, general greetings. Often some very personal information. Say hi to so-and-so. Next time uh, so-and-so comes, tell him to bring that coat that I left last time with you. And all those bits and pieces, sort of personal greetings and, and things. And then when he gets into the bulk of the letter, you find he's very often addressing issues or problems or uh, things that are pertinent to that church. Um, there's obviously a reason often behind the letter to address specific things. And then often at the end of the letter, you get this great bit where Paul just suddenly thinks, right, I'm going to sign off in a minute, but before I do, I'm just going to unload a load of great advice Uh, Do this, don't do this, Um, make sure you pay attention to this, do this. And he just, quite often they just read like lists, boom, 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 uh, of things that he wants to leave with the church. And that's where our passage comes in, actually. It's the end of this letter. This is like a list of of stuff. Do this, do this, do this. And it made me think about, um, uh, well, let's read the verse first and then I'll, so you can see it. Rejoice always, pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Um, and talking earlier, I was talking about, uh, about writing letters, and I thought, well, if somebody wrote me a letter, if I wrote a letter, let's say, to um, my child, if I can imagine the point my children leave home, which I can't yet because they're only 12 and 8 and they're very much in the home, um, I might write a letter, I might give some advice. Um, I can imagine my dad would have written to me and Uh, maybe three pieces of advice I was thinking he might give me would be things like um, always clean your teeth before you go to bed no matter how tired you are it's a really good thing to do Paul's nodding to his children Uh, always uh, put a reminder in your diary for your MOT I don't know how many of you not done that and have missed an MOT we've done that Um, things like that my dad would have given those kind of bits of advice and they're sort of unrelated just bits of advice and he might have said these worked for me I recommend these as principles for living but When we look at this, at first it looks like three separate things. Rejoice, pray, and give thanks. But thankfully for you today, because we're a bit short of time, they're very much related. They're not three disparate bits of advice. They are three very much related and linked. And in fact, they're not even bits of advice, because if you read at the end of the passage, Paul's reason 
for giving these commands uh, rather than bits of advice is not just because he thinks they're good principles to live by and he's found they work, but rather the reason that he's given them is because they're God's will for you. So we immediately see that this is not some advice we can take or leave. It's God's will for you. So we need to pay attention. The apostle says, rejoice, pray, give thanks. They're not extras. They're God's will for us. They're who we are. Okay, so a few weeks back, some of you will have been here when Dave Nunn preached about joy. Obviously, rejoice and joy are very much linked. When you have joy, you rejoice. That's what you do with it. And Dave spoke about it. We're just going to look. I wanted just to look at a couple of other scriptures from the New Testament about joy and rejoicing. So this is from 1 Peter. Though you have not seen him, that's Jesus, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. So that's the result of believing in Jesus, being filled with inexpressible, glorious joy. 1 John, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. So he's talking about Jesus again. So that you may have fellowship with us, so that you can join with what we've got, which is knowing Jesus. Our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make your joy complete. Some translations say our joy complete. It makes our joy complete to share that joy with you. And then this one, which Dave mentioned in his sermon, and it really, I remembered it. The prospect of the righteous is joy. Now, that's you. You are the righteous. We have been made righteous in Christ. We've heard so much about that this morning already. It's been fantastic, hasn't it? Uh, And that's us. We are the righteous, made righteous in Christ. Therefore, the prospect for us of our lives is joy. Um, But it doesn't just say rejoice. It says rejoice always. And uh, there are many reasons in life to rejoice. So I've already spoken to Diane and Phil Hull, who are back from their honeymoon. Welcome back, guys. Congratulations. A couple of weeks ago, they had a day of much rejoicing. Oh, and they joined the knot, and uh, it's great, isn't it, to tied the knot. Thank you, Paul. That language again. <laughs> they tied the knot. And, and in life, there are moments, aren't there? There are champagne moments where we rejoice over things, great things in life. Uh, births, marriages, exam results, all sorts of things that are just great to share together and rejoice in. And that's good and right, but that's clearly not what the Apostle's talking about here. Because I don't know about you, but those things don't happen to me every day. So uh, they are great reasons to rejoice. But if, if Paul says rejoice always, that's not what he's looking at, is it? So when Dave preached a few weeks back about joy, he talked about joy coming from God. He talked about uh, joy coming from considering the works of God. Joy comes from answered prayer. It also comes in trials, we find in the Bible, and in our experience, and Dave has met many people uh, around the world in great trials uh, and found them, he said, to be incredibly full of joy. So I just want to look at two ways. If you are to rejoice always, how are you going to do that? What are we going to do about that? And two things I think just want to highlight. One is to spend your time looking at the truth. If you spend your time thinking about the fact that those great moments, those great champagne moments of life are not happening to me right now. 
or things are just a bit grey and cold and life is tough and work is hard, you will not find yourself rejoicing. The thing we need to focus on to find ourselves rejoicing always is Jesus. It's Jesus. And I, I challenge you, if you go to the scripture, if you do, as we have done this morning actually, all the way through the service this morning, and look at Jesus. When Dave prayed earlier, Jesus, there at the creation of the world, there before the creation of the world, eternal Son of God. Read about that. Read about the fact that it was God the Father's pleasure to send Jesus. That Jesus came, and, and we're talking and reading and celebrating. Jesus comes. I read a, a reading with uh, my eight-year-old yesterday or the day before about Christmas, and it said, The Son of God came as a burping baby, a sweaty boy, a working man. He came, the Son of God of all eternity came to this earth. And why? He came for you. We've sung about that. He came for you. He came to rescue you. You read about that in the scripture. You allow your mind to dwell on those things and you will rejoice. And there is enough there to rejoice always. There is enough material there to feed our souls to rejoice always. When you read about the cross, when you read about the, the voluntary sacrifice of Jesus Christ on your behalf, the the glorious resurrection, the ascension, the fact that Jesus remains glorified for all time at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us even. When you read that stuff, yeah. come on, you, you will rejoice, believe me. And this is, a, as I already said, that the, Paul says, this is God's will for us. This is God's will for us. Are you a joyful person? Are you rejoicing always? Are you allowing your soul, your spirit to feed on that wonderful truth that will only cause you to rejoice. The other way you're going to be able to rejoice always is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit or you don't even really know what I mean by that, then do come uh, to the, at the end over here and get prayer and we'll pray for you. If you're a believer, you should know joy in the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul tells us in another letter that one of the fruits, one of the outcomes of the Holy Spirit and knowing him, being filled with him, is joy. You will be able to rejoice. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you going on being filled with the Holy Spirit day by day? If you want to obey Paul's command here, the will of God for you to rejoice always, you need to consider the truth of Jesus and you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Rejoice always. Pray continually. I remember reading this or hearing this when I was much younger and thinking, well, that's just not feasible. Uh, and we had a debate in our house this week with the kids about the difference between continuous and continual. Um, uh, yeah, as you do. <laughs> uh, pray continuously, pray continually. The truth is, I, I looked it up in the little Greek um, translation Bible we've got home this morning and other versions do actually say pray without ceasing. And that seems to be what the most faithful translation is. Now, I don't know about you, but I've got a lot of other things to do um, as well as pray. But um, that doesn't mean that this is not an apt scripture for us to obey. I hope you know that the Bible never tells you to do something you can't do. So I want to just look at two ways uh, or two approaches, if you like, to pray continually. Now, I read a book recently I recommend to you very highly by a guy called Paul Miller. It's called A Praying Life. But there's one, f I, I could quote from it many times, but I won't. There's one uh, line that really stuck with me, and he said, 
Life is both holding hands and scrubbing floors. Life is both holding hands and scrubbing floors. It's both being and doing. And his um, application was that prayer can be like that. It's both holding hands and scrubbing floors. There are, if you like, there's, there's almost two elements. There, that We could talk or preach about prayer all day. Uh, this is not an exhaustive um, sermon on the subject, but I really think this is a helpful way to think of it. So two ways, so continual prayer. Um, now, when you think about prayer, people often refer to what we call the Lord's Prayer, or, or some people call the model prayer or pattern prayer, because when Jesus taught it to his followers, it was a perfect model, a perfect pattern of how we should pray. And the very first thing he says when his followers say, teach us how to pray, Lord, he starts off by saying, Father. Uh, you'll be very familiar with the Lord's Prayer, many of you. Father. And uh, we take that for granted a little bit. It's very familiar to us. But actually, we forget sometimes, I think, how incredibly mind-blowing that was for Jesus to say that. This is the first time that anybody's suggested that the people of God should relate to and address the Holy God as Father. And so it's, it's really radical. We know he's Jesus is Father, but he then invites us as his followers into that relationship. Call him Father. And um, our, we were talking about this at home yesterday, and I think you could spend, well, happily, the rest of your life dwelling on this fact. God, all the way through the Old Testament, you will read about God. He is the Lord. He has lots of names. The Lord of hosts, the Lord my healer, all sorts of names in the Hebrew. He's the Lord. He's God. He's eternal. He's above all things. He's before all things. We cannot wrap our little heads around it. But at this point, Jesus invites us and says, call him dad. And in fact, in the Aramaic, the, the language that Jesus would have used, it is more intimate than father. Father to us seems a little bit uh, distant, but it's much more dad, papa, uh, that sort of word. And uh, it's extraordinary. And I think that can help us uh, when we're thinking about praying continually. It can help us to sort of understand that relationship. He's saying, come and talk to me. Come and talk to me through your day. Dad, uh, look at that. Help me with this. I'm finding this tricky. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit now. Um, look, or look at that. Isn't that fantastic? Or um, My husband's very... When he sees things, it triggers things. He doesn't listen to anything I say. But when he sees things, he's very visual. That's his way of saying, I can't hear anything you're saying. You need to draw pictures. He's very visual. So when he sees something police car, ambulance, he will pray for that situation. When he sees an aeroplane, he'll pray for the safety of aeroplanes. He sees things that makes him pray. Whatever it is that, that uh, gets your attention, use it just to talk to your father. Continual prayer, that attitude of just being in touch with our God, it is an amazing invitation into that place. And you know, elsewhere in the Bible, we're encouraged, Jesus encourages us to uh, be like little children, he says the kingdom belongs to people who are like little children. And, and the way little children relate to their dad when they have a good relationship with their dad is not formal. You know, I had this image of a 40-year-old man ringing his father once a fortnight because he feels like he must. And it's a bit awkward because they're both men and they don't know what to say. And uh, it's a bit of a duty thing. But that's not the picture. You know, the picture is of a little child. And I don't know about your little children, if you've got them, or if, if you remember this church, you've certainly seen a lot of them, um, is, you know, that image, they run, they jump on their dad. 
they won't stop talking until they get his attention. You know, you've seen kids kind of grab dad's face and whip it around so they're looking at them. You know, and they keep going, don't they? They keep asking, don't they, till they get a response. They keep going. They're not put off. There's no formality. And, that, and I just think that is, that's much more the picture our Heavenly Father wants us to have. Just come. Just come. I read this in Andrew Murray's got a wonderful book on prayer. Many of you will have read. Some of you won't. If you want to know, come and ask me. But we talk about the Father, the revelation of God being Father. This is a quote from this Andrew Murray book. It says, The knowledge of the Father love, this is talking about the, the Lord's Prayer and Jesus' revelation of how we relate to God. The knowledge of the Father love is the first and simplest, but the last and highest lesson in the school of prayer. It's the first thing he says, and in some ways it's so simple, and yet it's so profound, it's so wonderful. It's so enough fuel for us to consider and and worship and rejoice in for the rest of our lives. And the other, uh, I talked about holding hands and scrubbing floors, and the other way to think of prayer is what I call the shut door prayer. So um, we live, recently we've had 40 days of prayer, and as a church we've really um, heard God speaking to us and challenging us about prayer, um, about pressing in more, about giving more, about more effort, about more application. We've, we've put in the 40 days, we've got the week of uh, prayer in January coming up, as Angela no- uh, mentioned earlier. And those things all come into to this other category, I suppose, where <coughs> really we're invited not only to relate to our Father in an ongoing, continual, intimate way, Actually, he calls us as well into that place of applicated prayer. So, applied prayer. So, um, you know, Jesus says, I won't put it up because I've got too many quotes already. But Jesus says, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father in secret and he will see you and reward you. It doesn't say if you pray, he says when you pray. Um, And there are times where we need to shut the door and we need to give ourselves to prayer to pray for God's kingdom, to pray for what's on his heart. You know, if you ask him and if you spend time with him, you'll know what is on his heart and you will have times to pray. Uh, that's what he wants us to do. Um, another quote from Andrew Murray. He's just backing up what I've said, thankfully. So, Without, without set times of prayer, without those times where you shut the door, the spirit of prayer will be lacking and weak. I don't know about you, but I don't want the spirit of prayer in me to be lacking or weak. Without the continual attitude of prayerfulness, so that's the other side, our set times of prayer will be ineffective. We need both. We need an an attitude of prayerfulness that keeps us intimate, in touch with the Father. And we need set times when we shut the door. And those, those set times will include our Kingdom Come meetings together, where we pray together. Uh, They'll include your personal times of prayer. They'll include um, our week of prayer, our 40 days of prayer, all come into this. And just to say, in our our age, I think it's fair to say that shutting your door also might mean leaving your phone outside. I don't know about you, it's not not the door, is it? It's all the other stuff. You know, but that's essentially what Jesus is saying. If If it'd been now, that's what he'd have said. You know, shutting your door means just that. It means being with God, alone with God, uh, and no distractions. And why do we do that? Why do we pray? It's important to remember, isn't it? Why? Why do we do this? 
because Jesus says it works. These are the words of Jesus from Matthew 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. We've got to develop our prayer muscle to pray continually, to give ourselves to set times of prayer, to really digging in till we get the answer. Amen? Okay. Um, so rejoice, pray. And the third thing is give thanks in all circumstances. Wow. So it doesn't get any less challenging, does it? Um, give thanks in all circumstances. Now, as I said at the beginning, marvelously, of course, Thanksgiving, I think you'd agree, flows from both the other two things that we've looked at, rejoicing, always praying continually. These things will make you a thankful person. And let me just say, it's God's will for you to give thanks in all circumstances. Are you a thankful person? Just ask yourself that question. Now, very often I give thanks. This is not a lie. I give thanks often for my bed as I get into it, often for my shower as I stand under it. And often for my kitchen tap, which however many times I turn it on in a day, and often that's a lot of times, clean water comes out of it. Things like that. Gosh, you know, often I give thanks for those things. But again, of course, Paul is saying here, the reason we give thanks is not those things, although being a thankful person makes me give thanks for those things. We're to give thanks for all the reasons we've looked at already. This is also written by the Apostle Paul, another letter so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. If, if we receive Jesus Christ as Lord, if we continue to live our lives in him, if we are rooted and built up in him, strengthened in our faith by listening to what we're taught, both in the scripture and elsewhere, and then I believe that will then lead to overflowing with thankfulness. Are we overflowing with thankfulness? We will be if we're doing what we looked at in the, in the first point, if we are considering the works of God. Whether they are, um, like Dave talked about when he's preached on joy, he talked about the, this autumn, how amazing it was, so beautiful, the colours. And every time you sort of stepped outside the door, you're just overcome by the one, it's beautiful autumn colors makes us thankful and all of those things are the works of our God and the most wonderful work of all is our rescue is our salvation is our security is our intimacy with our heavenly father that's the most wonderful thing that we can possibly give our minds to consider and it will make us thankful people and uh, I was praying for today and thinking about being thankful Interestingly, I, I felt something rather like um, Paul Whittlesey shared earlier, a challenge to um, people who may be struggling with gossiping. And I was thinking about this, and I thought, I'm sure the thing in our culture that prevents us from rejoicing um, and giving thanks a lot is what I consider a sort of cultural habit, if you like, a great British modus operandi of moaning about things. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, grumbling, moaning. We moan about the government. We moan about the weather. We moan about the traffic. 
I heard people I hear people moan about the their kids' teachers, they moan about their spouse, they everything's there's a slight heaviness. And if we're not careful, folks, we just absorb this attitude that's out there in the world. Um, it is something, I believe, that's a bit of a, um, a habit amongst... If you're not from this culture and you're not like that, forgive me. Um, I realise I'm addressing people from lots of backgrounds and cultures. But there's a th- there's a th- in our city particularly, I think, there's a sense to grumble and to moan. And it's not always bad-natured, in a way. Sometimes it's just habit. But I do believe, actually, that it's, um, it's preventing us. It can prevent us. It's preventing some of you from being able to rejoice always and give thanks in all circumstances. You try giving thanks when you're moaning about something. You try rejoicing when you're grumbling about something. Um, it's actually pretty hard to pray when you're moaning. You can pray and be honest with God about difficult things and how you're feeling. He's your dad. He wants to know this stuff. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that, that attitude of sort of, oh, this is no good, that's no good. That, that, that attitude is going to hold us back, folks, from the will of God for our lives. And I don't know how many of you ever prayed, um, show me your will, God, what's your will for my life? Um, and obviously, this is not all of it, but this is a large part of it. This is the will of God for us to rejoice, to pray, and to give thanks in all circumstances. Let's just let this sink in a bit, because this is... Uh, I mentioned to Pete, Pete, asked, Pete King asked me before what I was preaching on today, so I read the verse to him. He said, oh, there's quite a bit to be going on with this week then, as we work on all of that. Um, but we're going to pray in a bit and ask God for his spirit, and as we receive and accept him, as we choose to follow him, these things will become fruits in our lives. Uh, rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Um, I'm going to pray in a sec. Because the, can we have the band back, whoever's um, in the room? We're just going to sing a song to celebrate. Um, as they come, um, we just pray. I really think there's a moment here as well for uh, repentance, if that's appropriate for you. A decision to, t- to change, to shake off that moaning grumbling attitude that maybe you realize as I've been talking that you've absorbed that you've got in you maybe it's come from your family maybe it's just come from the culture around you I do believe there's a moment now actually where there's a moment for repentance for turning for making a choice say actually God I'm sorry for that I want to be rejoicing always I want to be praying continually and giving thanks in all circumstances can we just stand I'm going to pray and then Rachel's going to lead us Our Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for every truth that we've heard that causes our spirits just to rejoice in you. We thank you, Lord, that you've invited us into the most wonderful, eternal, intimate relationship with the God of the universe. Just trips off our tongues, and yet it's so incredible. And right now, Lord, we stand before you, and we say we want to follow you with all our hearts. We want to live in your will, Lord. We want the things that prevent us from running to you. We just want to throw them off. And right now, Lord, if we've um, allowed moaniness and grumbling to get in the way of rejoicing in you and giving thanks, Lord, we repent. We just shake it off. We leave it behind us. Lord, forgive us um, and just keep drawing us after you as as we apply ourselves, as we give ourselves to enjoying our life. 
to rejoicing in you, Lord, and to, to following you with all our hearts. Amen. Thank you, Lord.